Jesus is speaking. Lord, we thank you. We're always careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. I ask God that you minister to our hearts, minister to our lives in the next few minutes, Lord God, that we would open up our heart to you. We give you honor, give you glory, and we worship you with our, our life, and then we would praise you with our lips. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So this is actually our sixth part of, of talking about trying to get into God's presence. And that's a tough thing. Because as we, the more you try, now let me play, does anybody want to get in God's presence? Yeah. See, and that's a good thing. Now here's the reality, but the more you try to get to God's presence, right, the more difficulty you're going to have with yourself. Because we know nothing can separate you from God, right? We know that. Except one thing, the devil can't, neighbor can't, your mother-in-law can't, your husband can't, your wife can't, nothing but one thing, you. And so as you take the only thing that can hinder your walk with God, because when you walk with you, you're taking who with you? You're taking you. And as you, the greatest stumbling block in your life, get closer to God, God begins to deal with who? You. Ah. Oh. And so we want to get into his presence. See, worship uh, is more than just singing. We talked about that. It's more than praise choruses and coming together. It's more than enjoying the presence of God, clapping and singing. We learn that we bring a sacrifice of praise. When we come in, we bring a sacrifice of praise. In other words, is there anything you can give credit to? Is there anything you can say about God today, right now, to give him praise for. Now, if, you, if you've been living like the devil, it's hard to give him praise for anything. Not that anybody's here been living like the devil. But if you, and, or if you've been running from his voice, or maybe God has a call on your life. I don't know. God has been speaking to you, but you, you, you're not ready for it. You, don't, you say, well, I'm not ready. Okay, well. God wouldn't be calling you if you weren't ready. You're not willing, but you are ready. Huh? So, and if you've been walking like that the last several weeks or whatever, it's hard to come to church and bring praise. Because in the back of your head, you know, man, I'm shucking and jiving. And you, I'm not talking about you're out there sinning. Well, no, you're living a good life. You're working. You're doing everything right. Treating your kids good, your wife good. But I'm, but I'm talking about your relationship with God now, right? See, worship and entering into the present begins with reverent fear, Right? And so when you begin to have a reverent fear, you're going to, you have, we have a tendency, and I say, oh, we have a tendency to listen to him more. Right? When you're afraid of somebody, you listen. You know, when you're a little kid, it reminds me of a story, a little kid, the mother was preparing uh, dinner, her, her special recipe for supper. But the little boy, you know, little boys are travieso, who's running around the kitchen, just having fun, playing around, in and out of the kitchen, ignoring his mother's threats and warnings. Stop it. Stop running around the kitchen. I'm cooking. You know, you know how kids, boys are. Boys will be boys. When he, when he kept playing, then finally he knocked over the special dish off the table that she had just prepared. His mother grabbed the broom and started chasing him. Anybody ever get chased by your mama with the right? When he crawled, he took off, went outside, he crawled under the house. 
So he, she decided to let her husband take care of the boy. She couldn't get him, and he's hiding under the house. Well, when the dad arrived from work, she yelled. She was mad. Go discipline your son. They, he was running around the kitchen. Didn't listen to me. He knocked over your dinner. Go discipline him. You know, the, the guy just came back to work. Oh, okay, I'm going to have to go deal with that boy. Do something about your son. So the father crawled under the house looking around. He couldn't see him because in the dark, and he, then he finally sees two little eyes looking behind the pole. Right? Two, and, and they're like wondering, peering, looking. And all of a sudden, he said with a real soft voice to his dad, Dad, is she after you too? <laughs> Reverend fear. Huh? See, sometimes if you, don't, if you don't fear something, you don't listen. And when, when you're talking about worship, it really begins with having a fear of God. Right? Because what else is going to keep you from the temptation that will soon be at your doorstep? When I say soon, all of us, not, not one of us are exempt. What's going to happen when temptation, and there's nothing to be afraid of? What are you going to do? See, John 12, when we look at John 12, it gives us three examples of worship. Each one of will, you will be able to apply in your own personal life as you walk through life. We're going to look at three stories of worship that are, that we're, and we'll explore them, and hopefully in some detail. And we'll find out that, that worship, first of all, it's a, we have to have a continual presence of God. In other words, God doesn't leave you once you walk out the door. Worship isn't just coming to church on Sunday morning, standing up, singing, and clapping hands. Worship should be a way of life. Amen. Every day we should put God first in our life. Love Him with heart, mind, soul, strength. Another thing we want, I want us to look at is, is worship as being God conscious. No matter where you are, no matter what you are doing, think about the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Because it's, it's those times when we put them out of our mind. When we remove the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost from our mind, it's at those times when we sin. You, you're not sinning when you're thinking about God. No, after a while, you, you kind of blank him out. Because you know if you, if you think about God while you're trying to get high, he, he, he blows your high. Hello, somebody. So at those times when you block him out. So we have to understand that worship is being God conscious. Always thinking about God. And thirdly, we can and should uh, worship, rather, can and should happen anywhere, everywhere, if you will. You don't wait for church or designated worship hour. You should be the worship leader of your life. Amen? We must practice the presence of God. It, it, it really takes practice. You know, it, it, it's like anything, you know, practice makes perfect, you know. Why do you practice? Because practice makes you better. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't get up here like, like Anthony. We see him, Anthony, and, you know, he plays for, you know, half-hour piano. But we don't see the hours and hours of, of self-rehearsal. I see him by himself. And then the hours and hours of rehearsal with others to get the worship done. All we just see is, well, that's all he does is half an hour. That's it? No, we don't see the hours and hours he has to figure out how to work that, that, that Apple computer with the click track. You guys know what a click track is? 
So you guys don't know, even know what's going on. See, the worship team has a click track going on. It's all computerized. That's why it sounds good. And so we, we, don't, we don't understand what's going on. To get the worship to sound like this, and it's got to get better, but it takes practice. Right? Now, walking with God, walking with his presence takes practice. Doesn't happen like that. Oh, no, practice. Don't be like um, uh, Alan Iverson. Practice? He's talking about practice. No, no, Al, that's why Al, Alvin Iverson dropped out. He didn't want to practice no more. Got to practice. Amen? So I try to express thanksgiving to God whenever possible. No matter where I'm at, just walking along. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. See, time with God should be our lifeblood. I mean, all the time. And I'm not saying, because sometimes we get caught up in the ritual. Oh, I didn't pray today on my knees for 20 hours, so God's going to ruin No, no. So let's say you miss your prayer, but you can take God with you. He don't mind. He don't mind walking with you at the bank. He don't mind walking with you in there, uh, in the store. He don't mind taking take with you all the time. All right? So many miss what serving and living for God is all about. Serving, serving God is day by day. Walking with Jesus every single day. 1 John 1, 7 reads like this. But if we walk in the light, now, you got to understand, John is giving you a question. This is a rhetorical question. So, in essence, he's saying, if you're walking in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. But notice the qualifier. He's saying, if you walk in the light, what does that mean? That means there's nothing hidden about you. There's no hidden agenda. You're walking in the light. If people were able to open your brand and see everything you're thinking about, you would have nothing to be ashamed of. Ooh. Could you imagine? I always say this. Could you, it would be great if I had, if I had the ability to come up and just like, like be like a Dr. Spock and have a Vulcan mind melt and be able to read your thoughts. And better yet, I was able to do that and transfer them to the screen so that we all can see what you're thinking right now. If we saw what some of you were thinking, we'd have to put mature audiences only. Amen? But see, if we walk in the light and transparent, then it says we have fellowship with each other. If we walk in the light, right, and have fellowship, then the blood of Jesus purifies us. But the, the key is we have to walk in the light. Are you walking in the light? See, that's how important it is. You can't just leave here and go and, and do other things that are not pleasing to God. Because if you don't, if you do those things and you're not, at that moment, whatever it is, you're not walking the light, then you really don't have fellowship and then the blood of Jesus doesn't cleanse you. So I don't know about you, but I need cleansing. Uh-oh, God bless me and Pastor Sam. I don't know about you, but I need cleansing. So if I know I need, I want that blood to cover me, right? Then I have to stay true and walk in the light. I have to be transparent. If I don't, if I'm, if I'm not, then you you put yourself in jeopardy. See, John 12 gives us three different experiences of worship, three different stories. The first experience we find in John 1 through 11, but let's, let's read a few verses there. Jesus, therefore. Six days before the Passover came to Bethany, John 12, 1, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. 
So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus one was one of those reclining at the table with him. Now, that's pretty trippy when the guy who had just been dead rose up, he's kicking back and eating the enchilada, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's heavy. Verse 3, Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, the one with the hidden agenda, the one who wasn't walking in the light, hello somebody, one of his disciples. Now notice that. Judas scared the traitor was called his disciple. Who was intending to betray him said, why is this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now he said that not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Therefore, Jesus said, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. You always have the poor, but you do not always have me. The implication could be that if we're not careful, we think more like Judas and are not walking in light and fellowship, that we don't always have Jesus with us. Hello, someone. Is anybody here? Yeah. Uh, Andy, can you turn the mic up? I don't know if they can hear me out here. Hallelujah. See, Mary teaches us that it's proper to risk in our worship. And if that's what it looks like, it's a big risk. True worship involves a certain type of transparency. Uh, the, the risk, and I say risk, of being vulnerable. Because there's too many people who come to church and they have a church life and a personal life and a home life. They have a, a church way and, and another way. And, God, and that, that's not what God intended. He wanted us to have his life, a transparent life, that we walk with him all the time and that we're in fellowship with each other. Why? Because he wanted to be sure that the blood of Jesus would purify you. But if you have your own life on your own and a church life, maybe the blood purifies you while you're in the church building, but when you leave, you're on your own. Hello. She took a risk and became very vulnerable. Why? Look what she did in her worship. She didn't just talk. She gave that expensive bottle of perfume. Imagine the scene. Everybody's checking out Mary. She opened up that bottle and then she gave it to the Lord. But she didn't just give it to the Lord. It says that she poured it on his what? On his feet. Look at the crowd. We're there. What on earth is that woman doing? Now, the only one who spoke up was Judas. But come on. All of us would look like, oh, that kind of heavy right there. So her worship to the untrained eye is, is foolish. But, and listen, when you're worshiping, I'm going to tell you something. From time to time, you, make, you may look a little foolish. And shockingly create some enemies when you're truly worshiping. Why? Because when you begin to truly worship, you expose others who say they worship. And the others who say they worship don't like being put on Jump Street. Now, and you're not doing it intentionally. You're just trying to do the best you can. And, and something overcame this woman. She took this all and she put on the feet. Now, all the other fakes and the frauds and the full-time broads there said, whoa, what is she doing? Why? Because they, they would never do that. Are you kidding me? I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And Judas made it sound so, so nice. You could have gave that to the poor. You could have did so much with that. Why would you do that? 
she teaches us that you got to take a risk. Let's look at 2 Samuel 6, 14. And then there it talks about another person who took a risk. He began to worship God. David wearing a linen ephod danced before the Lord with all his might. Now, if you don't know what a linen ephod is, we can say it like this in, in, in regular English. David wearing his underwear danced before the Lord. Now, listen. Don't expect this pastor to ever dance before the Lord in underwear in front of anybody. I mean, that's like heavy. Whoa, that's heavy right there. God really came over him. Right? And some of you, if you dance before the Lord in your underwear, we would think the devil is attacking us. Amen? But anyway, let me get back here. Let me go. David, <laughs> okay, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. While he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with, with shouts and sound of trumpet. The ark of the Lord represents God's presence. We're talking about God's presence. So he, went, he got so enthralled with God's presence, began to dance. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, walked from the window. And when he saw the king leaping and dancing before the Lord, check it out. She, she despised him. In her heart. Remember I said, sometimes you'll look foolish, and other times you'll make people your enemies. In this case, David made his wife his enemy. She didn't like it. She got embarrassed. True worship. In true worship, we want to express love in such a tangible way at times that we may feel vulnerable, and sometimes we could look a little foolish. Now, maybe not you, because when I first came to church, you know, I was like, you know, too cool. Well, I, I was like, you know, cool. I can't be cool. You know, you know, I didn't want no one to pray for me. And the first time somebody prayed for me, I go, bro, don't pray. If you're going to pray, you may make it quick. I told him to like, make it quick. Don't embarrass me. I don't want you. Don't be calling a scene. And I go, okay, quick. I look around and he's prayed for me. I, I let him pray, but I told him, quick, don't make me, don't embarrass. Because I didn't want him to be embarrassed. I thought he'd look foolish. I remember when God finally got a hold of me on Royal Avenue, I was talking with Greg Martinez. When he was there in the home at the time, and, and he got delivered, and that's when God, boom, hit me, zapped me. Because I, 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 I'd never done this in public. I began to cry and weep and cry and weep, and I said it was Reba Rambo and Donnie McGuire. Remember, Deborah? I cried like a baby, and then I couldn't stop crying. And then everybody in the church, I felt, I don't know, I know everybody in church wasn't looking at me, but I felt like everybody was looking at me. I felt so stupid. I'm like there, and I'm thinking, man, I am stupid. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me, right? And, and I know no one's looking, but in my mind, I'm thinking that. And, I, and then I got myself together. I go, okay, come on, God. And I, I talk to my head, come on, God, can you leave a brother alone, man? Man, you make me feel stupid. And, you know, and, and I don't want to cry in front of all the people. As soon as I don't want to cry, it all came out like, oh man. I and I didn't want to, oh, people thought I kept my eyes open, closed because I was getting the presence of God. No, I didn't want to see nobody looking at me. I felt so stupid. <laughs> right? But sometimes when God gets a hold of you, you may feel foolish. Huh? See, we have to be able to feel foolish at times. It's a risk. Right? Well, you know, and I, and I, had, a, I had a perverted thinking. I did not think right. Man, I told my wife, and after that I cried. I go, man, I cried. I couldn't control myself. Deborah, now everybody's going to think I'm a queer. Remember? That's, what I, that's the only thing I thought about. I said, man, I'm walking out of Victor Ridge, and now I'm a queer. I cried like a baby, man. I, was all, cause I, was all, I had a vato mentality. 
the wrong thinking. So I'm thinking they thought that, and nobody thought that. You know, I come to mind later, everyone was happy for me. But in my mind, my pride. Hello, anybody got pride? Yeah. My pride. What are people going to think about me? And God said, no, he was teaching me how to worship, Amen. to be vulnerable. Hello, someone. She was vulnerable. Sometimes you get so excited for God that you step out of your character. Right? Mary risked her image, like I felt that, her act of worship. People were going to question her because of her love for God. Even the disciples questioned her. Mary, and not only was she excited, she was extravagant in her expression of worship. She held nothing back. Now, see, we don't, sometimes you don't understand this. The perfume she opened and poured on Jesus' feet was worth one year's salary. Hello, someone. Now, here's where the worship gets deep. Because that pure nard, they would save that, that perfume, and perfume was a valuable commodity. We would call it like gold. And she saved, she had this saved for years. The value was estimated at one year. Mary literally dumped one year of work on the Lord. That's why Judas says, why did you do that? Remember he said that? You could have gave that to the poor. Jesus said, leave her alone. You can always have the poor with you. Next year you can give them the, the poor. But Mary knows you're not always going to have me. A year's wage. That's heavy. Some people complain about tithes. We're picking up offerings. See, this woman risked it all. Mary took a risk in her worship. She was extravagant in her expression of worship. And finally, Mary generously gave as an act of worship. Huh? See, some think that worship is like an emotional feeling, and it's not an emotional feeling. Worship has nothing to do with mushiness or emotion. Worship is stewardship, commitment, and surrender. Let me say it again. Worship is stewardship, commitment, and surrender. See, when you have stewardship and you're committing, you surrender, now you're worshiping. See, that, 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 that perfume, people look at the value. God wasn't looking at the value. God was looking at Mary's heart, her commitment. That's commitment. When you dump it on somebody's feet, that's commitment. That's surrender. Hmm? Worship is lordship, putting God in control of your life. So there's, ne there's nothing sentimental or emotional about worship. The whole issue of worship is spending time alone with God, being committed and completely surrendered. That's worship. See, you look in the second story we talk about is the Martha, I call it the Martha Mary syndrome. Because there was two girls there. And both had great hearts. But they had different personalities and different understandings of what, what it meant to really serve the Lord. People will always place, this is the key. Or this is a, an issue that we have to work through. People will always place what they do in place of a relation with God. Can I say that again? People will always place what they do in place of relational worship. Remember, worship is a relationship, not what you do. Okay, let's look at three things here. Luke 10, 38. Everybody turn to Luke 10, 38 as I get a drink of water. And Jesus said, as Jesus and his disciples were on the way, rather, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. 
But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, our, and this is an issue really of personalities. Some people personally feel better about themselves when they're doing. And so they, they bring that to church, and they always do, do, do. And they, they, they lose the better half. And, and what is better? And what is better, Jesus tells us, is to be at his feet. That's the Mary Martha syndrome. And, and don't get me wrong, we love people who do, because without doers, you don't get anything done. But you can't focus on what you do, or you, rather this. You can't replace with what you do with who you know. You have to know Jesus. You have to know God. In fact, you have, let's get it deeper. You have to know the Holy Spirit. Huh? Because there's always a temptation to take shortcuts. And that, I think that's what it really is. Martha tried to work to get close. I think the more, the more I do for God, the closer I get. And she wanted to work. And that's her personality. And she's better at it. I'll just work. Now do, I do. Mary risked herself. Martha did. Mary risked. So we must place our being, who we are, before our doing, what we do. We learn from Mary that God isn't seeking workers. God isn't just seeking workers. He is seeking worshipers. Yeah. Work. Now, again, don't get me wrong. We don't want people to work. But work should be the fruit of worship. Work will not get you into worship. Work is the fruit of your true worship. And if you get them backwards, you're in trouble. And, and the part, problem with that, it's very hard to detect that. Because why? As a pastor, I love workers. I do. But you're going to have to work it out in your own heart. Are you working because you're worshiping God? Or are you working because that's your personality and you feel better about yourself? So we work because we're worshiping God. I, I, I pastor. I do what I do. I try to build a woman's home, the men's home. I try to build a discipleship home. I'm trying to build a church. I work not because I, I, that'll get me close to God. No, no, no. I'm already close to God. I'm doing this because this is what God wants me to do. Hmm? To worship is simply a response of who we are to all that God is. It is me responding, saying, God, this is all I am, and I want to respond to you and work because of who you are. So there's truth, and when you see, you look at the, the, the two happenings, and, and really that's basically the two mindsets. Why do you worship? See, if everybody was really worshiping, I'd have an easy job. Because everything would get done, and I wouldn't have to worry about you backsliding. Why? Because you're at home and you're worshiping and you can't backslide while you're worshiping God all the time. But it doesn't always work that way, so I have to wor worry about you. Believe me, I do worry about you all the time. Pray for every face, everybody who comes who doesn't come. Why? Because I know what's out there. The world's out there and it's trying to tempt you away from God's call. It's trying to tempt you away from God's presence. It's trying to pull you. Right? So we have to understand. Let's look at John 12, 12. And how the group of people can teach us about worship. In John 12, let's read John 12, 12 to 19. On the next day, the large crowd who came to the feast 
when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, the crown, Jesus is here. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet, to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Jesus was finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it's written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, seating on a donkey's colt. These things his disciples did not understand at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him, and they had done these things to him. Verse 17, so the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised from the dead, continued to testify about him. For this reason also the people went to meet him because they had heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, the religious folks said to one another, you see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. So the crowd teaches, we're talking about worship again. The crowd teaches us that we cannot remain private in our worship. Right? Because some people, it's a, it's a private thing. It's between me and God. No, no. Although it is a private thing. But we must physically express our love and adoration to God. There's no such thing as having a private worship and keeping it there. See, your worship begins privately. Right? But it doesn't stay privately. See, if you keep your worship private for long term, then the enemy has fooled you. And this is what the world says. And they always say, you never talk politics or that's a lie from the devil. And most people agree with that. Yeah, you know, religion is private. We don't want to talk about that because I don't want to offend nobody. Listen, offend somebody. You tell them how good Jesus is. You tell them what God has done in your life. You give God all the glory. And if they don't like it, tough. So don't fall for that lie. Worship begins privately, but it can't stay private. Now, granted, we don't want to be obnoxious. We want to be cordial and graceful in our talking, but we have nothing to be ashamed of. All right? But listen, you know, the, the, the gay and the LBGT, they don't keep it, their lifestyle private, but they expect us to keep our lifestyle private. See, and you can't fall for that. Worship has to be open. Amen. Matthew 10.33 reminds us that whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is saying, you can't love me and serve me and know me personally, but keep me private. Can't. It's impossible. See, some have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Not here, but not in Victor Outreach. But some have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, but still are private about it. Some of you maybe haven't even shared your faith with your family. Worship. Remember, worship. if worship is a lifestyle, then your lifestyle should be speaking volumes to your family. But if, you're, if your family doesn't even know you're, you're going to church because your lifestyle hasn't showed nothing, what does that say about your lifestyle? Hello, am I stepping on toes now? I'm not trying to step on no one's toes. I'm trying to say we have to be public in our worship. Yeah. The second thing we have to understand, we must be active in our worship. We have to be active worshipers. The crowd weren't passive. They were active. They were expressing. They were singing Hosanna. Huh? They weren't just standing on the side watching Jesus as he walked by in a parade. Oh, look at the Jesus parade. No, they were going Hosanna, Hosanna. They were participating in Jesus coming in. We have to be active worshipers. Your worship needs to be a personal and active relationship. Could you imagine if you said, or... You said that you loved your wife, husbands, but never did nothing about it. How long would that last? 
It wouldn't last very long. Eventually, show me. I ain't from Kansas, but show me. Amen? Because people want action. Everybody wants love with action on it, right? We don't want all. Could you imagine if, I'll use husband and wife again, singles take notes. You imagine if your husband only showed love at home, but never didn't want no one to know that you were her, her girlfriend or her wife in public? How would you feel, ladies? You know, huh? Hello, somebody. Now, see, and that's what we think we can do. We can love them in public, but don't, don't love them outside. Try that with any relationship, and that relationship will not last. You better express your love in public with, about your, the one you love, your husband or your wife. If you don't, believe me, get you in trouble. See, and I was lied to. My wife, no, my poor wife struggled with my head trips, right? When we first got together, I would not let her hold my hand in public. Don't be touching my hand, right? I was, I was crazy. I'm telling you, I was crazy. God delivered me. She got to grab my Don't be grabbing my hand. Somebody might see you. That stuff's just, you know, the house. Don't, don't be grabbing my hand. Kiss me. Don't be kissing me. And, don't be kissing him. That's how I was. Messed up in the brain. Thinking that I loved her. That doesn't fly, guys. You better let everybody know you love her. Well, and, and if that's good for your spouse, and vice versa, because there's some ladies like that too, they're cold, cold moon scooters, right? But we'll let's have another message. <laughs> but you gotta express your love. Because you, if you don't express your love, there's, there's not real love there. Now, remember I said it takes practice. It took practice. I rec but first I had to recognize that I have to change. You have to, I recognize I have to change. I go, now I can take practice. I can get better at this. Amen? But well, same thing with God. In the, in the beginning, why? Because I know how you feel. Believe me, I know how you feel. When I first got saved, I go, man, now what, what am I going to tell everybody? I had to be like, cool. Well, that just me. You know, you, you're saying, you know, God doing something, but man, man I, I don't know if I can tell everybody. Man, you're right? Because you know, God, you, I was always taught that, that, that Christianity is for the weak. You know, come, people come to church are sissies. And now here I am in church. I'm not weak, and I ain't no sissy. These are the hitches I went through. So I had to break them off. Break them off. Because the devil traps you. Traps you in a lie. Amen? And why? And the only way to break them off is you have to practice openly. I'm a Jesus freak. Holy roller, hope to die. Hallelujah. Right, then, I got, then I went extreme to the other side. When I really got transformed, then I went crazy. Because I got mad at the devil. Devil, you try to punk me, and I'm going to get you now. Now I went everywhere. I was talking, chasing people around the neighborhood. I did. I would chase fools. <laughs> Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the love of the Lord. Right? No, no, no. So we have to understand. It's got to be open, and we need to personalize our worship. See, the crowd, they call him the king of kings. Hosanna. Who is Jesus to you? Personalize. What is Jesus to you? Is he just somebody that you, you, you wear or you put a picture on your wall? Pers what, is he, what is he to you? Begin to tell somebody, who is Jesus personally to you? Not what somebody else told you, not what Pastor Al told you. There has to be some kind of definition that comes from your heart. Yeah. Something he did for you, something he's doing in you, right? 
They were expressing personal adoration to him for who he is, not who, what he will do. Philippians 4.10 reads like this. Philippians 4.10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked the opportunity. Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. So what am I saying? No matter where you're at, worship him. No matter what you're going through, talk about Jesus. Believe, I've had to preach behind this pulpit when I had a lot of doubts. Right? I had a lot of doubts. I, I didn't, anything was going to work. I don't know what's going on, God. I don't know what you're doing to, to me. But I'm going to preach like I know you're going to come through because you're going to come through. And you know, in the back of my head, while I was preaching, I thought, what if you don't come through? In the middle of the sermon, I'm telling you, God is going to come through. Then I walk back to the pulpit. I'm thinking, but what if he doesn't? You ever been there? So I, I can't go with what I'm thinking. I have to go with the word of God says and stand on it and believe in it and be content in whatever state I'm in. Because listen, things are not always going to go perfect. Is, any, is life gone perfect for anybody here? Things don't go perfect. See, the fourth thing we have to say, and I've been telling it, talking about it, the crowds taught us that we must audibly declare our allegiance to him in our worship. All right? See, we all know that there's a difference between having a personal relationship with God and a private relationship with God. We, we have that. All right? But our relationship must be personal, but it can't be kept continually private. That's what I'm trying to say. Right? Because I know it. Some try to sneak into church, sit down, shut up, grab a little, sneak out. And I, okay, I, I, again, if that's you, I'm not trying to front you up. I'm not. I know I understand that. But eventually, hey, we're not that bad people. Get to know us. Stick around. Let's talk. Let's have some fun. Life's too short to live for God alone. Let's, let's, let's get to know one another. Right? So you, you can receive Christ anywhere. No matter where he found you, you can receive him anywhere. You just can't keep him there. You've got to share you can receive Christ anywhere, but you got to open up. Jesus, listen, will always raise someone up to praise him if you don't. And that's what I'm talking about. If you don't begin to praise him audibly, he's going to raise somebody else up right next to you. you maybe you're the one who's private, but your, your nephew that you led to the Lord, that you thought would never come, they came, all of a sudden they're going to start shouting about Jesus. The very thing that you should be doing, they're going to take your place. And you're going to say, man, I should have been doing that. But I was too shy or I was too embarrassed. God will do that to help you to show, first of all, to teach you something. And secondly, to maybe give you a little bit of faith to say, well, if they can do it, then maybe I could do it. Hmm? Jesus would say, I'm going to have someone lift me up and give me the glory that is due me. And that's what we have to do in our respective places of work, our respective places of business, at our homes. God is going to lift somebody up in your home to give him praise, to give him his due. You have to be the one. You're here. Somebody has to do it. If God, or rather, if you don't raise up and give him praise, the Bible says God will raise up the rocks to do it. Huh? 
That's why I like when God delivers a crackhead. Because he ain't smoking rock no more. He's lifting up Jesus. He'll raise up the rocks to praise him. See, my, my God is saying this. My preference is for you to audibly declare your worship before, but if you won't do it, I'll get a bunch of others to praise them for me. It's on us, church. Are you going to praise them? Oh, God bless four guys over here. I said, are you going to praise them? So we have to praise them. Because God is going to get his praise. He deserves his praise. And he's going to raise somebody up to praise him. Why not let it be you? I'm going to close with this. Praise. P. It's personal. Right? All praise begins with my own deep feelings about God. It's personal. P. R. It's reverent. Praise has humble origins, birthed out of the soul of humility. God's strength and our weakness. Praise. It's reverent. We have that reverent fear towards God. A, it's appreciative. Praise always gives thanks to God. Praise lets God know how much you appreciate Him. Does anybody appreciate God here? Is anybody th thankful that God came in? So I don't know about you. You may have got delivered from one thing. I got delivered from a whole bunch of mess up. Uh, I came from the neighborhood from Dakota. I just, I was just there. I came from there. It was a tore up. No good from nothing. Never. Now listen. I love my neighborhood. But I know. I, I call it what I see. I know where I came from. And God stepped into that place and lifted us up. Pulled us out of that muck and that mire and that destruction. That violence. That all that is ugly on earth. Let me tell you. He went in there. And I appreciate that. That's why I praise him. Thank you, Jesus. If all he did was pull me out of that mess, that's enough. That's enough. Praise his eye, illuminating. See, when we praise him, we worship God, we learn a lot about ourselves. Remember when we talked about Isaiah early on? Well, woe is me. I am undone. I am unclean. See, when we really praise him, it illuminates who we are. And really, it illuminates who God is. And then we see, wow, though I am undone, Though I am unclean, God wants to speak with me. God wants to reason with me. He says, come, let us reason together. Though your skins are red as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Wow. See, it illuminates. You begin to see life from a different angle. There's no, you're no longer looking at life from this angle up. You're, you're looking at life like this, like, how can I make it? What can I do? My bills, my car, my this, my that. We're looking at life. No, no, no. When you get illuminated and God, begin, you can be in the prism, you look at life from the heaven down. Yeah. Yeah. Flip things around. It's illuminating. And S, praise is sincere. Praise is honest and it's meaningful. Sincere. Sincere comes from a Hebrew term meaning without wax. Now, I look at that and go, what do you mean without wax? What does that mean? So you study, you research, 
And you go in, and what they would do, the ancient potters, they would make their pottery out of clay. Beautiful pottery. And then they would fire it, put it in the kiln, right, and fire it up. And then they would do a test. They would get water, and they would fill their clay vessel with water. And they would make sure that it was sealed. And if nothing, no water came out, it was a, it was a good vessel. Ah, but those people that weren't sincere, what they would do, oh, oh this pottery's got a crack, but I want to sell it, right? So what they would do is they would get wax, melt wax, and fill the cracks with wax. They'd fill all the inside with wax. Then when you poured water into the vessel, because when you bought it, the first thing you would say, Let me, can you fill it up with water so I can make sure it's a good, good vessel? The merchant, yeah, certainly, and he put water in that vessel, fill it up, and no water would leak. You go, I'll buy it. But the moment you cooked in it, the wax would melt. And then the next time you put water in it, the whole vessel leaked. That vessel was insincere. A lot of cracks in it. See, that, 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 that merchant who made it knew that it had cracks, knew that it was no good, it was not a good vessel, but he filled it with wax just so that it would hold water. And sometimes we come here all cracked up, all messed up, trying to act like everything's cool. I ask the brother, how you doing? Okay, now, now quit lying and tell me the truth, how you really doing? Yeah. Be sincere in your worship. Quit faking it. You don't think God doesn't know what you're thinking, how you're going? Young lady, you don't think God doesn't know? Of course he knows. Be sincere about it. Or quit filling yourself with wax, trying to hide it. So worship has to be sincere. It has to be without wax. And lastly, praise is enthusiastic. Praise is personal. P, reverent R, appreciative A, illuminating I, sincere S, and lastly, enthusiastic. When you're worshiping God and God has really delivered you, there's an energy in worship because we've given the glory, because we give the praise. Enthusiastic is another good word. Enthusiastic comes from the word entheo. Entheo, Greek word, entheo. Theo means God. That's where we get the word theology. Theo, God. Entheo means God in you. Entheo, enthusiastic. See, when God is in you, when you have entheo, God in you, you're enthusiastic. Oh, God is in me. God has saved me. God has delivered me. God has a plan for me. God is going to restore me. God is going to do everything that I could ever imagine. God is going to make my dream come through. I have God in me. That's why I'm enthusiastic. In Theo. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.